Come on in, guys. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Talking Llama Survivor Podcast. Matt Hambich here with co-host Jared Sundin. And after last week's little preview, we're finally getting into the meat of the things, ranking all 40 Survivor seasons. So, Jared, unless you've got anything to cover off the top, what do you say we just jump right in? Let's do it. All right. So starting number 40. Big surprise here to nobody, actually, is season five, Thailand, 2002, one, of course, by Brian Heideck. I had it at 39. Jared had it at number 40. So I guess since I have it ranked higher, I will, I'll start us off here to some general thoughts. I really only had it ranked 39 because I have Island of the Idols at 40, which we'll actually get into before too long here and that one is such a unique outlier that it just had to be at the bottom for me but thailand there's not a lot great about it actually there's probably nothing great about it there's not there's not a lot that's good about it as maybe maybe a better way to put it you know brian he played a good game and was but was really the only one who was playing the game and he played it with you know with cutthroat intensity which is fine but he still managed to treat the other players like less than people. And there's a way to play the game hard and intense and cutthroat while still not doing what he was doing and acting like he was acting. There really was nobody to root for in this season. I don't know. What do you think about the cast, Jared? Yeah, the cast uh, is probably what solidifies this as the last place season on my list. Just something to chip in about Brian, though. Like early on, when this show was just developing, you saw some competitive cutthroat moves, but like Brian was really one of the first people that was just relentlessly evil at times. Yep. Like, and uh, I don't know if that is also kind of what made it, I don't know, towards the very, very my list, but um, yeah, watching him win definitely did not help yeah as far as the cast goes i i keep a bunch of different lists um favorite players least favorite players most interesting players that i don't know what to do with but my top three spots on my least favorite players list all come from thailand so that should tell you what i think about the cast yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm with you there. I don't necessarily have a, a least favorite players list, but if I did, I would probably be somewhere along the same lines as you are there. And it's it's weird with Brian because you don't really like seeing him win the, with the way he was playing, the way he was acting. But if you think about it, who else could have won the season or could anyone else have won the season and made an improvement? Because it would have been someone who played basically a nothing game. So at least he was playing, which gets it a few points. But can you think of anybody who, wh- whether it was in the final 
two, final five, any other point in the game where someone, if person X had won, it would have helped the the season or was it, or was it kind of a lost cause for you? I think yes, but it was much, much earlier than final five. It was Sheehan. And uh, I remember she was pretty much stuck on her tribe, nowhere to go, didn't like anyone. And she thought they were merging. So she went to the other tribe and started, you know, talking her way in and her own tribe saw it. And then Jeff was like, just kidding. We're not merging. And then uh, that was pretty much her game. But she was actually like playing pretty competitively and um, at least trying to make stuff happen. So I will give her that. And I, I would have much preferred to see her win. And I was actually happy to see her come back for all stars, too. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the the fake merge because that was a part that I wanted to to discuss for sure. You know, it didn't really work out that well. Obviously, it worked out terribly for Sheehan and the rest of her tribe. It led to a straight pagonging after the merge there. But in general, not necessarily based just off of this and how it went in Thailand. But do you do you like that idea of just bringing the tribes together, not really saying anything, let them interpret the situation as they as they will and then do the merge fake out what do you think of that as a, as a general once in a while twist idea yeah i don't mind it i think you always have to try and keep them on their toes so after a few seasons everyone can pretty much predict when the merge is going to happen especially if it's the same number of uh you know jurors yeah within a few spots season. at least yeah yeah so um yeah that's i i have no issue with that um always good to uh you know have to be careful with every move that you make when you don't know really what's coming up next even if you think you do yeah i think if that had happened you know season 20 25 30 players would have kind of gotten the feel where if if probes doesn't say you have merged or drop your buffs or anything like that they're not gonna jump and, and just assume it's emerged not anyone who's a real student of the game or knows the game at least you know even even at winners at war they do the completely innocent toast at the beginning of the season and every player they're checking the glasses trying to see if there's a clue or anything (laughs) there they know to be aware of just anything but season five i think was kind of a fun place to try it because maybe they aren't on their toes which they which they kind of weren't and i just don't think production necessarily thought this one through all the way i like that they're that they took a swing. I, I appreciate and and love that they're always coming up with new ideas, things to try. And for the most part, they know when they've got a dud or a winner on the other side. But this this one, this one will be hard to succeed, I think. Because either you get this where you get this really fun TV moment for what one episode, and then it just leads to a boom, 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 vote out down the line once they do merge. Or players catch on and they don't do anything and then the fake merge is just kind of nothing. You get them living together for, for a day or a few days. So I don't mind it, but I think you would have had to re- kind of strike lightning for it to really work. But again, with season five, they they still were kind of getting a feel for things. Yeah, and you know, bad ideas or at least not the best ideas uh, can often be covered up if there are entertaining people trying to pull them off. Very but, true. Yep. 
this was not the case for uh, Thailand, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the, of, the, of the players, you know, going back to the beginning of the game, they got to pick their own tribes versus being, you know, having them predetermined. I personally, I love when you put players on the spot. I don't like how it was just the oldest players get to pick because then that part's out of their control and they're just shoved into the spotlight. But I, I like when when that thing happens. And um, Palau was like that as well to a degree, um, a little bit different because you had to earn it in a way without really knowing what you're going for. We'll get to that one later. Um, but for this one, just the oldest players pick the tribes and then you know, you're kind of in the spotlight from minute one, pretty much. What do you think of, of that idea when they pick the tribes there versus just having them predetermined? Yeah, I love it. Um, and you can tell like certain people are, uh, used to making snap decisions and trying to assemble a competitive team and other people. It's a bit more of a foreign concept. So when you, uh, when you get one person up there, that's clearly, you know, checking off all the boxes on the survivor checklist of like, you want big, strong players, um, you know, smart players, young players. And uh, then the other person is just kind of like throwing darts and you really don't know why each person is getting picked. I think that's, that's pretty, <laughs> pretty interesting to watch. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. When you, when you put someone in any sort of authority or leadership position, I mean, that's long been thought of as kind of you know, a death knoll for, for players in this game. And it kind of proves to be that time and time again, for the most part. Um, so just seeing that from day one, it kind of gets them on their toes. Um, but for me, a couple other things that I did like about the season, maybe not for the season itself, but maybe what it affected down the line. One, there was the chance to mutiny. Nobody took them up on the offer, but it kind of set the groundwork that that could be a thing to come into play later. And of course in Cook Islands, that one that led to a great episode, great moment, and very you know intriguing storylines the next few episodes at least. But you know this one was kind of a dud. But again, I like that they went back to it that they that they realized they maybe had something something good there and then just abandoned it after one attempt. Yeah, nice to be able to salvage some, uh, I guess, recyclable ideas or um, you know at least try to reinvent them later on in the series. Yep, absolutely. And then the other one, which maybe has the longest lasting effect, is Brian starting the GOAT strategy. And I can be corrected if I'm wrong, but I believe this was the first, I know mean, it's only season five, but was the first time, at least the first time some a player vocalized this strategy of, you know, of course, the GOAT strategy, taking the weaker players with you to the end so that you have an easy or assumed an easy victory at the final tribal. And you know, it gets talked about every season now of who's the goat, who's getting dragged to the end is the goat. Are they really a goat or is that just one person's mis misconception on this player, or that player? And, you know, I wish it had been somebody else who started it, but it kind of makes sense that Brian Heideck was picking out the weak or less valuable players and trying to just string them along. But can't deny that that's had a huge effect, you know, even 35 seasons later. Yeah, and um, I guess I I don't specifically remember someone talking about um, the GOAT strategy before him, but I remember there being discussion of when Colby took Tina with him on um, Australia or Australian Outback, and um, 
he had said that he thought it might be a better idea to take Keith because he would have a, a better chance of beating Keith. But um, I guess that's not deliberately a goat strategy. And Keith was far from a goat. Right. I think Brian had, had started it a little earlier okay. in the game and had that, had that in mind. And I guess one of the last things to end on, unfortunately you can't talk about Thailand without at least touching on, that's probably the wrong turn of phrase there. Um, Ted and Gandia. That'll kind of lead us into our next season here, but that whole situation with the, them sleeping next to each other, the inappropriate touching Ted kind of going off on Gandhi and no, no one really coming to her defense. It was handled very poorly kind of all around. And I know we're not the experts, not the ones to speak on this, but it's it'd be unfair to the season to at least not discuss it. And, you know, mention how, how screwed Gandhi got with that entire situation. Yeah. And I remember her making it a lot farther into the season. Like I remember, I remember in my head it being a bigger issue than they were making it out to be. So maybe that's why it seemed like she lasted a longer time was just that it was so uncomfortable for me to watch both of them there at the same time after it happened. But I, I see she got it voted out fourth um, from the entire season. I remember clay getting scolded for not writing down her name on the parchment. Uh, he wrote bye-bye Denver diva and Jeff did not really like it. Yeah. So, but yeah, just to, just to go back, uh, Brian was not even one of my three least favorite players from this season, <laughs> which that's, um, that's saying something. Yeah. Ted and clay were atop the list. And then um, Jan was just, just, a train wreck she would go she would go up to brian towards the end of the season and just ask him if she was safe for the night <laughs> that's one that's one strategy i guess so um but yeah it's uh it, it's a memorable season um in some ways so i not guess for many good good reasons I not think. for many good reasons no but uh it we do have some talking points oh and the the last thing it did produce one uh <laughs> one memorable gift which was uh rob putting his hands around the throat of <laughs> i forget who it was and just chucking on that, them on into that the water, water challenge yeah yeah <laughs> so that was a fun challenge i think it was just either poorly designed or poorly explained or the players just were just had no idea what they were doing because there were so many out of the attack zone you know disqualifications yep yep but, but that could hey. be a fun challenge but you know, if you're going to mess it up, this is the season to do it. Just get all the bad stuff out of the way. Yeah. And again, they tried. They tried. All right. Well, we're going to end each season with we're going to be doing a kind of our own dream second second chance season. So we're going to compile a master list and then whittle that down in an episode later on. So, Jared, anybody from Thailand that you want to see get a second chance? Uh, No, not necessarily, but... um. Are we going for second chance? Are we going, you cannot have played a second time? Yes. Or, okay. Well, so, and now if you, if you, so like Sheehan came back for all stars, but we'll talk about those players too if you want, if you'd like to see someone come back later on. But for what we'll do at the end, will be a, a true second chance kind of cast. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So if that's the case, probably not. Um, I don't really, I, I guess I don't really see anyone from this season um, being able to provide like legitimate entertainment in Survivor 2021. But yeah. Yep. I'm with you there. I've got a, a zero on the board for Thailand returning players. So we can move on then to our 39th ranked season, season 39, 2019 Island of the Idols. I believe if I'm remembering correctly, one of two seasons where the season number matches its rankings. So something small to watch out for there. One by Tommy Sheehan. And you know what? Let's just get this out of the way up front because there is some fun stuff to talk about, I think, in this season. But Dan. That was unfortunately, for many reasons, the the black cloud over this season of Survivor. Um, there was the inappropriate touching with mainly Kelly, but a few of the other female tribe members. And it got to the point where production stepped in and you even saw for the first time, I'm pretty sure, you saw this, this subtitles of what the producers were saying to Kelly, that if you ever feel things have gone too far or... We need to step in. I can't remember exactly how they worded it. Just tell me and we'll take care of it. And they they didn't take care of it is the bottom line. They they gave Dan a warning and they clearly didn't communicate to the players what was happening. They spoke to them. They spoke to them all. But you could tell from what what how they reacted later on, what they were saying post game and everything that it wasn't really explained exactly what was happening. And eventually it led to Dan being ejected from the game after there was another incident with someone on the production staff, I believe they didn't really specify who or what her role was um, probably good of her. And this was just a mess all around. You know, it shouldn't have gotten that far. They made Missy and Elizabeth out to be terrible people in their edit. And yes, they did take advantage of the situation in a way that was less than, than ethical, but if you talk to, if you you know, see what they said post game, and you know how you know their side of the story of what of what they knew of the situation, and and even you know Kelly and other people's perspectives afterwards, you know see them friendly on social media now. That yes, they were probably in the wrong in the moment, but it was made out much worse in the in the edit. And this for me is what made this my bottom season number forty. You have it at thirty eight, so not much better but this for me it just survivor supposed to be fun and the whole whole dan of it all just made the season not fun at all and well let's jump in in a second here i thought the pre-merge was actually pretty good you know there are some some definite flaws the the theme for me at least wasn't wasn't great um but there were some there's some good characters there's some good moments and then this happened and then the rest of the season just felt weird and and we'll see what they do, you know, coming up, you know, 41, 42, what kind of changes they might make. And you know, hopefully we won't need to see them in, in practice. But Island of the Idols, what do you got for us off the top, Jared? Maybe anything to finish off on the Dan situation before we get into some actual survivor stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess I can talk about that for a little bit. Uh the difference between Thailand and Island of the Idols as far as the Dan versus Ted situation goes is um, 
obviously the Dan situation worked its way into the game much more so than Mm -hmm. the Ted one did. Um, And in that way, uh, I guess because he lasted so long too, it just made much more of the season uncomfortable. Um, And I think also like when it comes to, you know, intertwining his actions into who is getting voted out. um, For me, that also put kind of a damper on the whole thing. Um, Just whatever your interpretation of it is, if there's people trying to use it against him just to get him voted out, even if they aren't bothered by it that much, or, you know, it's, it's just all such a, such a confusing, like you said, mess. And um, for me, really what salvaged it was um, there was actually, because it's such a recent season, there's still people like trying hard to play the game in the midst of all of it. And uh, that's what was different from Thailand as far as gameplay goes for me there. And plus I, I personally did not hate the Island of the Idols twist as much as a lot of people did. I, I went back and I, I watched a little bit of this uh, in preparation for this episode, but I just think that some of the, some of the missteps were more in that, like when you go to Island of the Idols, your opportunity can be much easier than another player's opportunity. Um, like the prize can be much better or worse. And there just didn't really seem to be like a consistency there as far as making it fair for everyone who went to Island of the Idols. Yeah. It was interesting to think about, you know, how much input production had on that side of things, or if they said, Rob and Sandra, you can do whatever you want. We'll back you, or you can do whatever you want except for, a through Z or whatever it might be because a, a lot of the the lessons or themes or whatever some of them had some definite overlap where they kind of seem like to be the same thing but talking about the fair the one that I hate is Jamal he got completely screwed so if, if you don't remember what happened with Jamal one of the one of the really good characters from from the show um, he he was walking through the island one day and just saw something hanging from a branch or from a tree just hanging out there for him to take and it said something like grab me i'm yours i think it was something along those lines sent, sent him to the island of the idols but his he was punished i what he lose his vote i think it was and just because you always have to be aware of what's going on or nothing comes free in this game and that was just that one really ticked me off because Anyone who's ever played Survivor knows that if you see something that's like that, you take it. You don't second guess it. You you just grab it and and you assume it's going to be some sort of advantage or or clue, and then it just it just screwed him. And he was doing what one hundred percent of Survivor players would do. There was no reason for him to think otherwise. Yeah, um, that was uh, I guess not one of the moments that I saw in my in my rewatch, I didn't make it super far into the season for obvious reasons, but um, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I was talking about where you just 
like it's hit or miss whether or not it helps you or whether it doesn't, there's no way for you to predict if it will or it won't. And um, it's just hard to, it's hard to play a good game. Uh, a certain level of unpredictability makes for an interesting season, but it's just hard to plan your game out when <laughs> you, things that you think are good are not good. Yeah. Cause at least with everybody else, they had the option to, to play the game or not play the game. And even if it was dumb to do it, it was still their choice. But with Jamal, it's just he made the choice based on the most minimal information he possibly could have, which was just this free thing hanging there. And of course he took it. So, you know, that one that one wasn't great, but it did give us some some really good moments. I mean, Nora and her island trip and return is I mean, that's that. It's probably some recency bias, but that's up there with one of my favorite moments out of all 40 seasons. I love Nora. She was fantastic. I don't think she can ever win this game, but I would love to see her come back. I'd love to see players like her come back who are just so off the wall. And there's a, conf- there's a confession or two where she's literally getting distracted because Dean's like in the water. And, and he's just a good looking guy for her to just look at. And she's, a, oh, I'm sorry, Dean's, Dean's swimming right now. What was I saying? But her, the Island of the Idols, she had to get herself, get her tribe to let her be a specific position in the challenge. And she did a horrible job explaining it. Everyone's just like, oh, okay, Nora, yeah, you can do that. And then they just sat her out. And then she's lost it. Of course, we're going to turn out that way. There was no other way for that to go. That was just, just fan fantastic yep uh i just the image that i remember is her sitting on the log with rob and sandra uh listening to them describe the opportunity to her and rob gives her the offer and she goes i'm doing it i'm doing it (laughs) and rob goes well wait a second don't you need to hear the rest no i'm doing it (laughs) it was that's the kind of player Nora is, and and that's what makes Nora so exciting to watch. She's like the definition of a player that I love watching, but would hate to play with. You yeah. you want predictable, and she is anything but. Yep. But from a character standpoint, she is she is fantastic, and and with that, the, the cast actually was pretty good. You know, when we get to the second chance players, I'll have a quite a few actually that I'd like to see come back. I mean. Might as well start with with Tommy. Won won the season, never went to Island of the Idols, never won individual immunity, never found an immunity idol. I think the first player since Natalie White to to win a game in that way. And he even finagled his way to be brought to the final two. Even though he can make fire, he got Nora to bring him to the final. Yeah, he was um, in the handful of episodes that I watched just really early in the season I didn't realize what a great game he was playing early on like he just had everyone you know invested in his story like his job his fiance or his soon-to-be fiance and just making connections left and right and he had so many routes to you know advance himself in the game it it almost would have been a surprise to see him not make it to the end. Yeah. I mean, I mean, socially he was, he, he killed it. And 
we actually got to see some of that though. One of the things Survivor struggles with is editing and showing the edit of a of an effective social game. I'm sure we'll discuss that in whenever Koran comes up, the Michelle Aubrey debate. But but Tommy, I mean, he you could just tell he was so liked by everybody. Everyone had this had this level of respect for him and I don't know the way to be to be able to manage that for 39 days. I mean, you got to give him props. You know, I, I think he was the right player to win. You know, there were a lot of good players in, in this season. I thought, you know, Dean came on at the end. Dean was a lot of fun. He was kind of a nothing burger for the first two or three episodes. And then he just became just like a, a walking one liner. It seemed like he was super entertaining. Yeah, he really got good when he realized he was on the outs. And um, I think he was kind of sleepwalking his way through the first few votes. And then, um, you know, when he got put on, they did a tribe swap and he was in the minority on his new tribe. And then, you know, his alliance gets voted out and he can see, you know, really the writing on the wall for his own game. And then it, it forced him to take some action and, uh, yeah, he was also one of my favorites to watch from the season too. Yeah. DK chilling, just just doing his thing. Detective Dean. I mean, you got these alter egos. He was a lot of fun. Then, um, what do you think? You said you liked the theme at least more than more than most. What about the theme? Obviously, I think I'm pretty sure you're a big Robin Sandra fan. Not that most Survivor fans aren't. But what about the theme uh, drew you into it? Uh, I like that. First off, the idols were only good for a certain amount of time because. Nothing is more annoying than when there's only two people out of six to vote out at the very end of a season. But that was one thing I liked. I liked kind of the mystery of not knowing what you were getting into when you were going there and being able to share whatever you wanted when you got back. You know, people treated it differently. And after a certain amount of time, there's just really no hiding what it is. But yeah, the, the things that I did like like you mentioned, those piggyback on a couple of your points, the watching them decide how to play it off as to what happened and what, and what the Island of the Idols actually is. And do they take into account a previous player's story? You know, if, if you go and you say, Oh, it, it was just, I got to play a game for an idol and, or, but I would lose my vote if I, if I lost. So I didn't, I didn't do it. And that's just that you leave it at that, or you have someone come back and tell a more elaborate story to you, you know, just th- those kind of choices and watching them try to wiggle their way through it and convince people of, of this or that, th- those, those situations just in general typically work out really well. And then, like you mentioned with the idols that they were, were limited. And I like that a lot in general for, for the immunity idol that, you know, game changers obviously is the big one when, Suri gets voted, quote unquote, out, even though no my heart hurts to this day. Are cast against her because yep. five other players were immune. And so there was no other choice that if you put expiration dates on idols, plus it forces the player's hand, which, which I like. And I don't, I don't think that every idol has to have a limit, but mixing that in definitely helps, you know, because it, it forces them to to either make a play or not make a play and see how that, you know, reverberates across the game or across their individual, you know, season performance. So that was good. Rob and Sandra at tribal was great. Just watching their, 
their little commentary in their in their little hidden booth was fantastic. I still wish, and this probably would have bumped it up way higher for me on this alone, if they if they had made too much noise on accident, and and the players were like looking around and they and they are exposed just by being too loud. That would have been incredible. That yeah. would have that would have bumped us up probably three or four spots just from that happening alone. Yeah. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but no one, none of the contestants ever even, you know, suspect that there could be someone sitting there. Right. Not that like, they, at showed. least they, yeah, they never talk about it or anything. So, and I'm guessing if, if it had been vocalized, they would have found a way to slip that in. Cause that would have been a, a fun nod that someone was at least sus- suspicious of something, but I don't remember them ever showing us anything at least that someone was was suspicious of that all right and then of course karishma and her applebee's karishma maybe got a little unfair amount of i don't know if hates the right word but I'm, criticism criticism that's that's a much better word unfair criticism some fair but i think i went a little too far at least on some of the online discourse but if you want your screen time when you see a reward you freak out I mean, I think there's, I think it's the same one where, where there's a scene of Missy just screaming, shaking her head, shaking her fist, even if it's completely manufactured, if you're trying to get as much screen time as possible, you lose your mind at the awards. And then Karishma gets to the confessional. Applebee's is my favorite sit down chain restaurant. And I don't care if you've never been to Applebee's, that's what you do. You say that and you're going to get you're going to get that even if that 5 second screen time and it was it was incredible that was probably her best moment of the season i thought at least most entertaining yeah i would have liked to see her react to watching jack and jill <laughs> that oh that's that's up there with one of my favorite moments too from south pacific just yep. it's even better that they gave them such a terrible movie <laughs> it wasn't even one that ended up being decent it was one that was just universally reviled and that's just fantastic we'll get to coach's amazing quote about that later on but let's finish up the island here returning players now obviously this was season 39 so no one's had a chance to come back so any player we want we want to see again would be a second chance i'll start here and again this is just a master list so we'll narrow these down a few weeks from now but i've got a pretty i've got a good chunk of players here i'd have and just just to clarify, we're not trying to figure out if players have said they want to or don't want to come back. This is just what we'd like to see. And so I have Kelly on my list. I don't know how eager she is to play Survivor again, but I would like to see her play again. So she's going to at least be on the, the, the first part of my list here. So I'd have Chelsea, Kelly, Jamal, Elaine, Janet, Lauren, Nora, Dean, and Tommy all, all come back, or at least be on that second chance vote, whatever you want to describe it. Anyone That's a to, lot of players you got there. Anyone to add to that list? Uh, no one to add. I have a few people I want to emphasize. Um, first off, uh, yeah, I think it would be really fun to watch Dean play with a cast of, you know, people who are aggressive, like, cutthroat players not that not to say that there weren't many on this season um could have just gotten overridden by some of the underlying backstories too Mm -hmm. but um yeah when when his back was against the wall is when he really uh turned up his game so that would be fun to see again yeah and i'm i'm all for elaine coming back too i think that she is uh is not someone 
that we would necessarily encounter in our own lives um, living in the Twin Cities <laughs> metro yep. area. So um, I just like watching people that are completely different from me. Um, so she would be a fun one to have back. And then Nora, obviously, uh, can't get enough Nora. And I would, <laughs> I would also love to see her play with the cast of just returning players that want <laughs> nothing more than to win Survivor <laughs> and see, see how she interacts. I'd with love all to see that. her on a tribe with Tyson. Oh, that'd be incredible. Yep. And then, yeah, on top of that, um, I mean, there's a handful of people that I think, given the right situation, could provide some really entertaining moments. Missy for sure. And then, man, I don't know. I did. I really like Janet, too. And you don't see many like older players. And uh, just funny because she's not even old, you know, in 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 life terms yeah but survivor terms yeah. she's definitely up there yeah but like tribe tribe mom kind of role and tommy um, and his mommy <laughs> coming this fall to cbs there you go so yeah um yeah there's just a few a few names right there that i would like to see back but um i could probably get on board with any of the ones that you mentioned yeah okay well let's move on then to season th- or our 38th ranked season Season 21, 2010's Nicaragua, won by Judd Fabio Berza. I'm saying his last name correctly. My 38th ranked season, Jared, your 39th. And honestly, I don't have a lot to say on this one. It's just kind of there. It exists. Medallion of Power. It happened. Medallion of Power, that's one thing to talk about. That, I'd have to think about it. I think Edge of Extinction is the single worst creative decision they've ever made. Medallion of Power might be the second worst. It's, again, they're taking a swing. Respect that part of it. But I don't know how they thought this was going to be a good idea. Yeah. It just, it completely backfired where, you know, it's introduced. So you see teams getting advantages. Um in you know whatever challenge they choose to use it and then it turned out that one team was just so noticeably stronger than the other team that they just kept it and never used it so the other team couldn't get it and uh i mean maybe maybe if the tribes were more even it would have worked out better but it it seems unlikely yeah because of course the tribes are based on age so old old versus young and if it's a physical challenge and you give the young tribe an advantage, not that they were going to win anyway, but you'd think in a physical-based reward or immunity challenge that they're going to have the advantage just naturally, and then you give them a literal advantage. But yeah, it's they might be able to workshop it in a way, and maybe this can be a future episode of what were some twists that didn't earth teams that didn't work out that we could change up or it's just some new ideas, but there's probably a way to do something like this that could work out. But when you're, when you're messing with tribe challenges with advantages, I mean, I, I personally don't really like the individual advantages in challenges. Um, and we'll get to that at, at some point with some various seasons here, but I don't know. They, they really kind of like the, the fake merge in Thailand, 
I just don't think they thought this one through. It seemed like a flashy idea that, oh, this will be fun, fun to do, and then, then it just completely fizzles out. Yep, agreed. Um, Jimmy Johnson, NFL coach, Fox, that is, Fox analyst, yeah. was, on, was on this season. One of two famous people, Chase Rice, who had not yet found fame, but he's a huge country star now, of course. So with both of those, I really like seeing famous people play Survivor. Um, and that's honestly why I'd want Chase to return. I mean, he, I think he was a fine player. wasn't wasn't a stand up any, by any means, but he, he was fine. But I love seeing how how famous people deal with it. And you know, do they get recognized? Do they not? What do they do when they get recognized? Do people vote them out just because they're already rich and famous? I just like it's just a fun dynamic to see. Yeah, my favorite dynamic was uh, the Jimmy Johnson one where. Like he was just coaching his tribe, and uh, I I can't tell you how how much I enjoyed watching Jimmy Johnson coach something that wasn't football. It was <laughs> it was just weird and awesome. And I can't remember who it was, but there were some guys who were like I'm getting coached by Jimmy Johnson right now. They were they were <laughs> loving it. Yeah, and then then he was trying to trying to pull it. You know, oh, no one's going to vote for me to win. So just bring me along. I'll coach you guys through this. Just just keep me around for a while. Yeah, well, it's true, too. I wish they would have done it because seriously, who's going to give Jimmy Johnson a million dollars for winning Survivor? And it, it might have been nice to have a coach there. I, w- I agree with them. Yeah, that that honestly could have helped the season. You know, it wouldn't have saved the season, but it could have helped. I mean, just yeah. see, because he's he's a unique one. So like. I was rewatching um, Philippines, which of course has Jeff Kent, former baseball player on it. And he made it far. I liked him just fine. He was an entertaining character. But when you have someone like Jimmy Johnson, who's a coach, who's trying to play that up, because like Jeff Kent's not going to say, oh, I'm, a, I'm a great baseball player. That's going to keep me around for all of the throwing and hitting challenges we have, which don't really happen. A few, th- few throwing things here and there. But Jimmy Johnson, he's got the motivation. He's got the pep. He's got you know, the, the hype, the speeches that, that could have been a lot of fun to see, even just for a few more episodes. Yeah, I know it, it was, it seemed like his time was, was cut much too short on the show. But going back to the, the age, um, age-based tribes, not the first time they've done it. Like in Panama, they had four tribes, you know, young men, old men, young women, old women. Do you like that as a, as a, as a starting you know, theme, if you will, splitting up based off age? Not really. Um, it just, it, I think we all could see this coming it, with the medallion of power that one tribe was, they were just overmatched. The older tribe was um, at least physically by the younger tribe. So um, I guess if you can, if you can work the challenges around the, you know, physical limitations of one of the tribes, it could be okay, but um, not a concept I need to see again. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And they kind of retooled it a little bit with the millennials versus Gen X, which effectively kind of was old versus young to a degree. And that's kind of, I think, how, how they got around it because that, that worked out well. But yeah, I, I, I'd agree. If they strictly do the age-based thing, I, I'd be out for that as, as, a, as a theme going forward. Um, the other, or one of the other big talking points is Nayanka and the unfortunately named Purple Kelly quitting the game. And two things with that. What, do you, what are your thoughts on Nayanka not giving up her reward basically right before she knew she was going to quit? 
Yeah. Uh, kind of, I don't know, kind of on brand for her, but, uh, I, I guess I don't, I mean, uh, other than just being kind of a dick move, it's, uh, it, it doesn't really bother me that much. Um, you know, it's yours, you want it. And, uh, who knows, maybe you change your mind. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing is that, yes, it seemed from, from the edit that she was for sure going to quit, but, we don't know it, you know, in her heart of hearts, how, how set she was on that. You know, maybe the reward would have rejuvenated her and given her a second life, if you will. Um, it seemed like she was pretty set on quitting, but again, like you also mentioned, you know, it's her reward. It's her experience. It's well within her rights to, to keep it. And, you know, maybe she'd been, well, I guess if she'd been more well-liked, she might not have, or gelled better with the tribe. Maybe she wouldn't have quit anyway, but you know, like you said, I don't really care either way. But it's just an interesting thing to to discuss or witness witness it play out to help people react to it. But the other thing, the big thing, is they both quit. Wasn't any sort of medical related evacuation. They weren't hurt at all. There was no family emergency. They just straight up quit. And they still got to be on the jury. Now that has since changed. It's up to I think it's up to Jeff um, Probst if if a quitter gets to be on the jury or not. So what are your thoughts there? If someone just voluntarily quits the game like they did, should they be de- denied the jury? Should it be up to probes? What do you think on that? Uh, if it were up to me, they would they would be denied of the jury. You know, if you choose to quit one aspect of the game, I think you choose to quit all aspects of the game. Um, you you can't say I don't want to do this part, but I want to do this part. And uh, yeah, I think uh, obviously if they needed the numbers for the final vote, then maybe they didn't have a backup plan for that particular situation. But uh, going forward, I would say no, no to quitters on the jury. I, I'd wholeheartedly agree. I think you put it great. If you quit one aspect, you quit all aspects. And obviously there are exceptions. I think leading up to, to Probst or having some sort of oversight is, is good um, just because there are some situations. So like in, in the Philippines, which I was rewatching, um, what's her name? Dana, she quit, but she she was very sick but it wasn't in a way that medical felt they had to pull her from the game but she was just in such discomfort that she didn't think she could go on and that and that to me is different um so i i do think it it can't be like you know a black and white you quit or you're pulled from the game and if you quit you can't be on the jury but in cases like this where they just said i don't really want to be here anymore then yeah you should be you're you're done Yep. Yeah. That, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, I guess certain very specific uh, scenarios could lead to someone who decides to pull themselves from the game willingly uh, still being on the jury, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I think Missy in San Juan del Sur, she was, she break her foot. Yep. I think it was, or whatever her foot injury was, you know, if she had, if she had quit at that point, I would have been okay with her being on the jury. Cause I mean, any, any of the challenges you basically couldn't do, um, but she was so close to the end that she kind of had to had to finish it out that she could. So yeah, there there are certainly exceptions um, to the rule, of course. But one one of the things that I really enjoyed about about this season, one like very specific aspect, and it's being a tennis player is what is what brings it out is when um, Marty lies to Ch- to I'm uh, not Chase to to, Fa- to Fabio that <laughs> that he he beat chess grandmaster Guillermo Guillermo Villas, who. 
I instantly recognized being a tennis player as a Hall of Fame tennis player. And I thought, oh, this is incredible. I love that he's doing this. I also hate that he's doing it because on the off chance that somebody knows who that is, it's completely going to blow up in your face. He goes, oh, these young guys don't know who this is. I was, what, this aired in 2010. I was, I was Fabio's age when, when this was airing. And I, I knew instantly, you know, obviously it's going to take a tennis player to, to know that, but it was such a stupid, unnecessary risk that you have to respect it almost. We need more of it. Even if you make up a name, the, the, the likelihood that someone's going to know some random chess grandmaster is way lower than someone knowing a Hall of Fame tennis player. You'd have to I imagine. think the chances that Marty knew of any chess grandmasters was also way lower than the chances of him knowing any tennis players. True. But again, you can make up a name. If someone said, oh, yeah, Steve Johansson. Like, okay, cool. Great. I don't think I would believe him in any scenario anyway like that when he's just talking about how he, how he beat this chess grandmaster as a kid. It's like, okay, cool, Marty. I would have believed him to go along with it. But I'm mean, like, no, I don't believe him for one second. But that's just a small moment. There was, there was zero payoff, but I, I loved it. It, it's, it spoke to me. It was fantastic. Yeah. There's yeah. Little moments like that are uh, part of what make the show great too, is just watching, you know, an older guy interact with a guy who is maybe in college or, you know, (laughs) just, just completely different worlds, completely different perspectives and uh, seeing how that whole thing goes down is great. All right. And then before we get to the returning players, what do you think of Fabio as a winner? I, <laughs> man, uh, I was personally cheering for him, um, not knowing what happened as I was watching the season, because I was obviously late to the survivor party, but this one was not spoiled for me and not knowing the outcome. Yeah, I was, I was on the Fabio train for sure. Um, I just didn't really think that anyone else was doing anything noteworthy. And, um, at that point it was just whoever's the most likable person. I am cheering for them. And that's what happened there. Yeah. He was just kind of the happy go lucky, have a good time, friendly guy that seemed pretty clueless and he either played that game to perfection or he actually was clueless either way. I mean, he got a million bucks, won the game. Good for him. But not sure who else I would have preferred to see win from a gameplay standpoint. I mean, I think Brenda played an okay game. Um, Marty, I like Marty. I've been okay with Marty, Marty winning. Um, but, but yeah, one of the reasons it's kind of a dud because he didn't really, he won a few challenges, but he didn't really seem to be driving any strategy. Um, didn't really seem to have his finger on the pulse of the game, but it kind of, him winning the game kind of fit for what the season was, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I was totally okay with it um, as opposed to the alternatives for uh, who, who we could have picked to win. But um, yeah, that was uh, when you said Chase Rice, he was a fine player, you know, nothing special. It's like, well, I think that's what sums up the season is that he was in the final three <laughs> and we just voted for a guy we liked more. Yeah, sometimes that's all it takes. All right, so for returning players, I like, now this wouldn't be a second chance, but I like Brenda. I think Brenda 1.0 is a better person, at least from what the show showed, than Brenda 2.0, but we'll see what, how that turns out with when Karen 
Kara Moen comes around. But for second chance players, I would say Marty and, like I said, Chase. I love seeing famous people play. Just see how they react. I'd say Chase. I would say Fabio. I mean, why not? See what he can do. And I might be alone on this. I would say bring Dan back. Mr. <laughs> Alligator Boot himself. You're alone in this conversation. Yes. I don't, I don't think he'll make the cut on the on the final list, but he's got to be on my master list. He he just didn't fit in out there, but in a really entertaining way for me that I'd, li- I'd like to see him give it another go. Just just for my own personal satisfaction. But yeah, I doubt he'll make my final my final list. Okay. Yeah, my my list is a little shorter than yours. Uh Fabio would probably like to see him come back. I wouldn't just be indifferent. I would be in favor of it. Mm-hmm. Uh and then Marty would be great to have back. And I think that's about it. I know the dynamic of having a famous person on there is is kind of interesting, but I don't think Chase Rice is the right one. I think we could uh, yeah, pick I mean, someone yeah, a little I'll, more engaged. I'm, I'm just trying to cast a wide net on this yep. first, first yep. go round. You know, I'd, I'd have Jeff Kent over Chase in terms of famous people. Oh, yeah. He's got some great moments, which, which will be fun to get into. I actually just watched his, his boot episode uh, yesterday. One of the great outgoing lines of all time. I'll save that one <laughs> for, for the future pod when that comes up. All right, so that'll move us on to our number 37 season, which is 2004's season nine, Vanuatu, run by Chris, won by Chris Daughtry. My 35th ranked season, Jared's 34th. And this, of course, was the another men versus women season, just three seasons removed from doing it in the Amazon. What are some, so you, you got ranked higher just by one spot, but what are some overall thoughts on Vanuatu? Uh, a couple of the things that I remember the most, really, there was like a lot of hostility, like not, um, not in, you know, like a, like an evil way, but just, they didn't seem to get along well. They didn't treat each other well. And that kind of made it less enjoyable for me to watch. But the other thing was, uh, Chris, just pretty much powering his way to the end uh, in, you know, like the most, uh, it was a situation that was pretty much set up for him to fail Mm -hmm. in any way imaginable. (laughs) And uh, he somehow did it. Yep. That, and again, I only have it at 35, but Chris's end run, you know, one man versus six, six women at the end there, his his finishing run is is what gets it as high as it is for me. You know, there's nothing that really sticks out as terrible about this season to me, but there really wasn't anything great. You know, I think they went back to the the men versus women well too soon. It worked well in the Amazon for such a unique season setup. I think there should have been more more time in between, something like that. Yeah. And for me, one of the other things I remember about the men versus women theme of this season was that this guy's tribe just straight voted out all the threats from the beginning. Like, and Chris <laughs> yep. was in the charge. Chris was in charge of that too. And uh, yeah, just played a 100% in your face game of survivor and um, yeah, ended up working out, but that was, that was, 
I don't know if I necessarily agree with the strategy, but I do remember it. Well, if you're going results-based thinking, it it worked. It it did in this. It was instance. the right. It was the right strategy. If that's how you think about it. That could yep. be a fun discussion too. But yeah, I honestly, it's a very forgettable season. Yeah, I the first time I watched it, I liked it a lot more just because I was more invested, not knowing how it would turn out with Chris at the end. But um, second time through, yeah, not great. I. I think like there were some good cast members. I know Amy and Eliza came back uh, for Micronesia, but not a super memorable cast either. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Eliza. Her her jury expressions, the it's an effing stick moment. I mean, she's she's great. Now, given her current career path, you know, running for I think DA of Manhattan, I can't see her coming back anytime soon. Um, depending on how that goes, but but I'd love to see her again if she ever decided to play but yeah the cast like you mentioned amy was good julie was fine she was she was a fun character but i don't think she's allowed to come back after having dated probes for a while getting the behind the scenes look i don't i don't think they would whatever their rules are there i think she's gotten too much of a behind the curtain look at the show so for me unless you got anything else we can jump right to the returning players that would just leave me with chris i think yeah uh i would be Definitely in favor of Chris coming back. I knew as an outside shot uh, for winners at war to bring him onto the cast just because there are so many other people you got to fit on there. But um, I, I'd probably be on board with Twyla coming back too. just like an older, more grizzled version <laughs> of Twyla. She was, she was sassy enough as it was. And, and then uh, to have her back, several years later would I think at least be entertaining I don't know how it would work from a gameplay perspective but might get a fun two episodes out of her before yeah voted off all right well that will move us on to this episode's final season our 36th ranked season 2005 season 11 Guatemala won by Danny Boatwright who we recently saw on Winners at War this was my 34th ranked season, Jared's 35th. And this featured two returning players, uh, Stephanie LaGrosa and Bobby John Drinkard from the previous season's Palau. And that's one that I'm excited to talk about as well. If you're not catching the theme, I'm excited to talk about every season. Yeah, me too. Uh, but, and I'm excited um, to talk about the ones we disagree on. <laughs> yes, and... Palau, there's some disagreement. We won't, we won't give away how big, but there's some there. This was, outside of All-Stars, the first time returning players were, were in the game. And just the two of them, you know, from that ill-fated tribe in Palau that lost every single immunity challenge. They didn't lose. It's just that the other team won. However you want to phrase it, they were a disaster, and it was fantastic. This is also the first iteration of the hidden immunity idol. That's probably the the season's biggest claim to fame, if you ask me. And it worked a little differently than it does now. There was just the one. It was introduced after the merge, and it had to be played before the votes were even cast. So obviously now you have the option to play at any point from the moment tribal starts to the time when Probst asks if anyone wants to play their idol. But this time it had to be played before the votes were cast. 
And I like that they went in easy on the idol for the first go round. Obviously, there's always going to be some some tinkering and, and tweaking with with new continuing tr- twists or advantages, whatever whatever else there might be. That they didn't make it too powerful. That they just did the one. They didn't rehide it. They didn't do you know one for men, one for women, or whatever it might be. They just did the one, kept it simple. But this arguably began the biggest game changer in the show. I mean, the idol has been part of the the show ever since. And there maybe isn't one thing that's had that consistency. That's had a bigger impact on the game since season 11. Yeah. I, I know that it's like, obviously one of the most influential introductions to survivor ever, but I don't even remember who found it. It was Gary. I believe Gary Hogabaugh. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it obviously start off slow, much better than jumping in with seven idols and five advantages <laughs> and uh, seeing how people work with that. But yeah. Um, I, I mean, for me this season, I'm, I'm just going to share a few of my thoughts since you mentioned Gary. Um, one of my favorite things, and this might, this might speak to the, I guess, overall enjoyment of the season. But one of my favorite things was Danny knowing that Gary was a former quarterback and calling him out for it and uh, him trying to play it off, you know, like he wasn't. And that was one thing that I hadn't really seen before on the show. And um, one of the high points, which I guess, you know, if you take in the season as a whole, probably isn't a great thing, but <laughs> very true. Fun at the time. So, with that, I've got to ask you this then: Did you know of Gary Hogabaum as a quarterback? No, exactly. I had, I had n- never heard of him, and I, I remember looking up his stats. We're not really before. sports guys, though. You know, <laughs> I don't think you had an- enough sarcasm on that. <laughs> making sure that people know we're we're huge sports guys. Jared's job is directly involved with sports. So if any, I feel like if anyone was going to know Gary Hogabaum, the quarterback, it'd be us or people like us. And I had never heard that name before. And Danny just, just knows it. That, that part was awesome. I'll give it that. Yeah. Yeah. Just right away. First, first thing she notices about him, this guy looks familiar. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And looks familiar too. It yeah. wasn't just, Oh, I know that name. It was, it was by his actual physical appearance, which is next level. Yeah, Guatemala, kind of like Vanuatu. Again, not not terrible. Like we're we're already past what I would call the terrible seasons. There are only a couple. I honestly say Thailand is probably the only truly terrible season. Island of the Idols is terrible for one specific reason, but it would have been probably into the twenties for me, literally if it had not been for the dance situation. And then even Nicaragua and Vanuatu, Guatemala they've all got some level of merit to them. You know, I'm not saying I'd I'd rush back to rewatch them, um, but Vanuatu and Guatemala, especially they're just kind of there, their, their seasons, they happen. They had some entertaining players, you know, a big fan of Danny, big fan of Stephanie. I wouldn't mind seeing, I mean, Stephanie's played three times. That's probably fine, but if she came back, I wouldn't complain. Danny's played a couple of times now, you know, one really good run in Guatemala. I think she played a fantastic game. The winners at war, she kind of fizzled out, but a lot of the old school players did, and we'll get into that later, of course. 
but again, it's just kind of a nothing season. I don't, the cast wasn't very memorable for me. Aside from the idol being introduced, there wasn't really anything that makes the season stand out to me. Yeah, I I do remember the final three, because this is a final three, right? Um, oh, no, it was a final two. Yeah, it was Danny and Steph. But by the time they got down to three people, um, the final three was all just really strong players. Like, Rafe was a really good social player. Stephanie, obviously... Uh, be loved by the survivor community at that time and then danny worked her way back from like a three to six deficit at the merge uh, in terms of numbers and it was some pretty high level gameplay for that point in the series but um yeah not no one like legendary in terms of characters that came out of it and speaking of characters that'll bring us to the second chance players for Guatemala. I've got nobody. What about you? Uh, not many. I know um, Judd definitely had some uh, interesting moments. And he wasn't... I mean, he was only 34 at the time of the show. So, uh, I mean, still well within the age range of someone who could come on. And it would be uh, a different kind of feeling to... Uh, put a guy like him on in 2021. So that might be fun. But the other thing that I kind of remembered character wise from this season was just Jamie and Bobby John going at it, like, like in your face, yelling, screaming, and uh, not sure if that's something the show wants, but <laughs> it was depends how far it escalates. <laughs> definitely a change of pace. And um, yeah, I, I still don't know if I'd give either one of them the nod, but maybe Judd and that's it. I think, I think you could easily sway me to uh, your side where we pick nobody though. All right. So Judd for the master list. And then of course, 35 seasons from now, we'll see where we stand. Perfect. Now that we're even out of the bottom five, it's going to start picking up at least in characters in, in these chunks. And the next five might be a little, little rough in that part. But, but there's some good stuff to talk about. There always is. And, you know, just looking at our runtime now, one other thing we had mentioned that we may decide to split some of these up. I mean, our idea was to do five episodes or five seasons per episode, but, you know, even getting an hour or so, a full hour out of five seasons, as we get, get, you know, higher up, we might, might split into maybe doing three and two, like we talked about, but we'll, we'll make that call either ahead of time or even on the fly if we're talking and we're through through three seasons and we're already hour so into it might just call it so bear with us on that might be some some on the fly moments and you know if you're listening and you want to send us your thoughts feedback on this episode thoughts on the upcoming seasons we'd love to take any any questions or comments if you're if you're so inclined and again you can you can follow us on instagram at talking llama pod and twitter at llama talk pod if you want to use use hashtag llama talk we watching that as well um but so for these la- these first five seasons jared any any final thoughts before we introduce next week's seasons no um i some of these seasons i think the less we talk about them the better but <laughs> uh especially the 40th and 39th ranked seasons on our boards but you know like even like you said a a 
bad season of Survivor isn't even a really a bad season of uh, television. And yeah, I mean, outside of a couple really, really painful seasons, um, pretty much anything they produce is going to be good. And early on in my Survivor journey, just um, going through Vanuatu and Guatemala, like I was still loving those seasons. So it's it's not to say that you know, they're just irredeemable and, uh, I never need to see them again. I, it was, it was all part of my enjoyment of getting into the show. Yep. I would, I would echo that, that completely. I think that outside of a couple complete duds and failures every season, other than those has something redeemable about it, something fun to talk about some fun talking point or, or theme or twist, or even just a character. So that'll lead us into next week's ep- or seasons, seasons 31 to 35. Again, we'll get into the order when we when we air. But the seasons to be discussed are season three, Africa, season four, Marquesas, season 14, Fiji, season 17, Gabon, and season 23, South Pacific. So we'll get into that fantastic Jack and Jill reward next week. I think. Can't wait. And again... Um, we are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen, we are there. So if you're listening to us but haven't subscribed, go to wherever you listen to podcasts, um, hit that subscription button, get every episode out every Thursday morning. You know, this was a lot of fun, you know, little few things to work on, but I think we're making our way through and just going to get get better and more fun as the seasons get better and more fun. So for Jared Sundin, this is Matt Hambage, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>